You're listening to The Whatcom Report, a Bellingham Regional Chamber of Commerce program in partnership with KGMI. You're listening to The Whatcom Report, a Bellingham Regional Chamber program in partnership with KGMI. I'm your host, Gina Stark, for the Port of Bellingham, your economic partner. Today we're talking about the value of employee ownership. Green a business is tough. You put your lifeblood into it, and if you're successful, you've grown to employees, to valuable community members, and it has thrived for many years. So now you're thinking of retiring or maybe doing something th- different. This is a critical time for you and your businesses and your employees. And if not done well, it can have an impact on you, on the community, on the future of the business that you've worked so hard to build, and really, frankly, to the local economy. Well, you have options, and one of them is employee ownership. And today, we will talk about the various employee ownership structures, learn about a local business that is employee-owned, and of course, listeners, I have some very special guests who will help me in this conversation. Today, with me, I have Brad Tuninga with the Wacom Community Foundation. He's the VP of Philanthropy. And I have Sean Serdahl, Construction Team Manager with A1 Design Build. So this morning, we're going to learn all about the empowerment of employee-owned businesses in our community and the positive impact on our economy. So grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and let's settle in for a great conversation. Heating emergencies happen. When your house is freezing, you need help and make it quick. Contact Clean Air Heating and Cooling. Their trucks are ready to go with everything needed to repair your Lennox furnace, heat pump, or fireplace. This winter, keep Clean Air Heating and Cooling on speed dial for all your heating emergencies. Call or text 398-9400 for 24-7 repair service. When heating emergencies happen, count on the professionals at Clean Air Heating and Cooling, a Lennox dealer. Online at callcleanair.com. Support the Boys and Girls Club of Whatcom County when you visit any local McDonald's restaurant between now and December 31st. The holidays are a time of generosity and good works. And now the McDonald's Spreading Smiles campaign makes it easy. Grab a bite to eat at any Whatcom County McDonald's and you'll be invited to donate to the Boys and Girls Club. Every dollar you give will support their important work serving more than 500 kids a day countywide from infant to age 18 in their four early learning centers and four clubhouses. They are open every weekday providing nutritious meals, help with homework, and an array of fun activities such as art and STEM. No child is ever turned away. Since 2008, the McDonald's Spreading Smiles campaign has raised over $419,000 to benefit our local kids. Help create great futures for young people and our community. Stop in before December 31st at any local McDonald's and donate to the Boys and Girls Club of Whatcom County. It's a great way to celebrate the holidays. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes, things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Walking Report, the Bellingham Regional Chamber Program, in partnership with KGMI. I'm your host, Gina Stark. 
And this morning, um, we are going to talk about employee ownership, and I have two amazing guests. I have Brad with the Whatcom Community Foundation, which is a wonderful nonprofit that I've had the joy to partnership with for, well, over five, five plus years. And we also have Sean, who is with A1 Design Build. Welcome, gentlemen. Appreciate you being with me this morning. Thank you very much. Hey, Gina. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet. All right, so let's get down to it. Um, I think, Brad, I'm going to maybe pick on you first a little bit. All right, let's go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so first, um, for those that don't know about Whatcom Community Foundation, can you first tell us a little bit about Whatcom Community Foundation and then why um, this initiative is so important to you guys? Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, the mission of the Whatcom Community Foundation is to cultivate neighborliness, lift all community voices, and invest in hope and equity. That's that's our mission. That's what we do. And our vision is that everybody in Whatcom County thrives. So simple in context, right? But, I mean, it's, it's, it's big work that we're trying to do. And we do this like a lot of community foundations throughout the nation, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in the more traditional ways where we make grants to nonprofits and support the nonprofit community that, uh, you know, where we can expand their capacity or leverage their resources or add value to their work. <clears throat> we work to support those nonprofits locally. Um, you know, we do that through um, gifting for donors that want to give through us to other nonprofits. Um, you know, uh, we also have a scholarship program that we administer for high school graduates regionally. Um, you know, we do, like I said, pass through gifts for, for donors um, as well that want to, you know, donors that want to set up, say, donor advised funds that uh, they want. They want a legacy and they want to, you know, give out that money over time. So, you know, those are some of the more traditional ways that we we support the community broadly um, in terms of of our work. But, you know. Some of our work is also we look to, you know, move the needle. What are the what are the greatest needs and where can we have the greatest impact in our community? And one of the things that rose to the surface for us years ago was just the power and impact that employee ownership can have on local economies, on families, on people, on mm-hmm. on on um, you know, just our community at, in in general. And so that's what I think excited us about that work is that it's it's so impactful and it's so broad based. I mean, um, in terms of what that can mean. And so that's why we got into that work. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I, I can honestly say, I mean, the Whatcom Community Foundation is fantastic. I know folks, you've heard me say that I, I um, serve for Habitat for Humanity and yeah. the Community Foundation. You yeah. have been a great partner. And without you guys, the Telegraph Road project literally would, <laughs> would not exist. Yeah. So, yeah. so I wanted to be able well, to thank, thank you, you. For, for that, for sure. So you guys are truly amazing. So let's talk a little bit about, because um, I want the folks um, listening to kind of understand yeah. what it is, because many people yeah. are might not understand or know, you know, what employee ownership is. So, you know, A, you know, what's the value of it? And then can you mm-hmm. explain kind of, because there's, there's different models and structures of these yeah. employee, employee ownerships. We can talk a bit about that. Take them into as many chunks as you as, yeah, as you want. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so <laughs> much just, to, yeah, these little totally. softballs, right? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And let me tell you, like, why we feel employee ownership is so important. Because when you look at the alternative and what that can cause or create, you know, it's not it's not ideal for communities. I mean, you know, um, we did some research with uh, an organization called Project Equity. They're a national organization that helps support and advance employee ownership throughout the nation. And uh, what we looked at is what, you know, 
how many biz- local businesses are looking to retire in the next, you know, five or ten years? And so there's this, this research is called the Silver Tsunami Research. And so what we found is that, you know, 80% of businesses, um, you know, that go to sell actually mm-hmm. don't actually sell. And oh. so what happens is they either just close down their shop or they're looking for an external buyer. They're right. looking for somebody out of the area, a larger corporation. Sometimes private equity will come in and gobble them up. And what happens there is that, you know, then, you know, employees lose their jobs. You know, that, that economic impact is then out of the community. Um, you we know, just had that recently, right? We just had that recently. Yeah, Kona Bikes sold to private equity. Breaks my heart. And, you know, those employees had, had jobs for 18 months. But after that, you know, most of them lost, lost their jobs. And that whole production is now moving to, to Utah. And so all of that impact, all of that, you know, community benefit, you know, and really, I mean, there's name recognition, brand recognition, and pride that went with that is now gone. And so those are the kind of things that we're trying, we we want to avoid. We don't want those, you know, that economic investment sucked out of the community. So what do you get when you have an an employee-owned company? Well, you know, the businesses benefit and the owners benefit because they can get a market rate for their business when they're selling that business. There's higher productivity and growth in employees because they have that personal investment in the company. Um, There's lower employee turnover, and there's improved longevity. And it's also a legacy piece for a lot of business owners that don't want to see their business go away. And then in terms of benefits to workers, it's better pay and benefits to workers. Um, They build assets and they build ownership in a business, and then they have a voice in key decisions, and that's really critical. And then the benefits to community are, of course, of course, increased local spending, right? Those, those tax revenues are not leaving the area. They're staying right here locally. Um, and then there's also heightened civic engagement. And I know Sean will probably talk about that in terms of their philanthropy and how yeah. they're involved in the community. I mean, they're really active. And so those are like the benefits. And then in terms of like what kind of structures there are, um, the structures, there's really three main structures, and, and Sean, you know, in A1 will tell you more about the details of what a co-op means, so an yeah. employer, worker, co-op, but, um, you know, essentially that's a, it's an enterprise of solely owned and dem- democratically governed by the workers, and, um, you know, there's lots more details that go into that, but it really, you know, kind of, you know, democratizes the, the employee ownership should, process. Yeah. You know, the thing that I think what most people have heard about because it's the most common is an employee stock ownership plan. And that really is kind of like a it's an expanded retirement plan where employees actually have an equity stake in the company and they have ownership in that company. And so when they retire, they have they have ownership that has value that they can use towards their retirement. Um, And they will oftentimes also have a 401k. And so, you know, the benefits to employees in terms of wealth generation are really great. Um, and then the third is employee trust. And employee trusts are just starting to get some more traction. They're really, like, more commonly found in, in the U.K. right now. Mm, but okay. an employee trust is, you know, really where the business is owned partially or in whole by a trust. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the benefits to the, the, the employees are, th- like, through profit sharing, and they mm. have a vote and a voice in that process. And really the trust is built to, like, preserve the, you know, kind of the culture and then also the benefits to employees. So those are the three main, three main employee ownership models. Wow. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's very helpful. And with that, um, we will take our first break. So go ahead and fill that coffee and fill that tea and we will be right 
Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Hey, at our startup, my team and I move at the speed of tech 24-7. And every single day, it's information overload. It's coming at me from all directions. And you know what? Bottom line, I just need the news that matters. So where do I turn? Local radio and TV. I want to hear from people who live and work in my town. They give me the real story with information I know I can rely on. So where else can I find out what's happening in my community? weather and traffic, things that affect my family and my business. I want to stay informed by sources I trust, my local radio and TV stations, for the best entertainment, sports, news, traffic, and weather with no agenda and more reliable than other platforms. So if you ask me for the information I want anytime, anywhere, I stay local. Support your local station. Text RADIO to 52886 today. Furnished by the NAB and this station. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Welcome back. You're listening to The Walkham Report, the Bellingham Regional Chamber Program in partnership with KGMI. I'm your host, Gina Stark, and my guest today is Brad with the Walkham Community Foundation and Sean with A1 Design Build, and we are talking about employee ownership um, and the importance of it for um, our community, our economy, um, and just that it's just the the loss of a business um, when um, somebody just retires or it's just sold, um, and it's just devastating. Like we were just talking about where we just had a very well-known bike uh, mm-hmm. retail shop leave. Um, and I know when I read about it, I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, um, because, you know, Kona, because it's so well-known. We're known totally. for, we're known for being a mountain biking community, right? Yeah. And, and they were one of the early ones too, right? Yeah. They've been around a long time. I know whenever I was traveling or see a Kona bike in some other place, I'd always say, that's from Whatcom County, right? you know? Yeah. Kind of a point of pride. So it's sad to see places like that close yeah. down. And I think that's the great thing about yeah. what we were just what we were just sharing that um, uh, the the employee ownership is an amazing al- alternative yeah. to to that, um, and that um, there are different um, models. Can you just recap for those who might be just tuning in really quickly what those three models are, real quickly? Yeah, you bet. So you know the most common model most people have heard about because it's predominant is the employee stock ownership plan, the ESOP. There's also uh, employee co-ops, which I know Sean will talk about because A1's an employee co-op, and then there's employee trusts. 
Yeah. So um, given that um, there is three different models, and I know, Sean, you picked one. And we're going right. to get to your story because I'm so right. curious of, like, how in the world did you guys decide yeah. to, yeah. you know, out of the three? But so, I mean, how does a business dis- decide um, what is best for them? Um, yeah. Is, I mean, that's, you just like, is, I'm, I'm assuming there's not like an eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Yeah, totally. I, you know, and I'm not a professional advisor, so I can't say for certain. But what right. I can say is that, you know, the, that's, those are some of the things that I think the Center for Employee Ownership that I know we're going to talk more about what we're trying to stand up here in Whatcom County, but that will serve the entire state, is how do we get more information and education out there about these models so that not just business owner, owners know that they're an option, but that their advisors can advise them on what the benefits are and how that might you know, work for them and their family, their legacy, their goals. How do they bring that together um, you know, in, in their succession planning? And so, I mean, in terms of how you decide, I mean, it comes down to, you know, the people that you're talking to when you're thinking about, uh, you know, do you, do you sell to another business? Do you sell to private equity? Do you sell to your employees? And, uh, you know, do you have any family that might come in and be a part of that transition? What does that look like? You know, um, it's going to look different for every business, right? And I'm yeah. really excited to hear Sean and, you know, the story about how they went the co-op model yeah, because it's lesser true. known. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's really going to be specific to the business owner, to the state of the business, size of the business can influence that, you know, and the advisors. Yeah. 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 Well, um, and I know that we we had um, a a bill that was passed just this last session, you know, so Senate Bill 5096. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because as I was reading it and I and I was. You know, because I'm a policy geek, yeah. among other things. Okay. Yeah. Well, my listeners know I'm just a geek in general. But so can you kind of speak a little bit to that? And did that kind of feed into the creation of that Washington Center for Employee Ownership? Uh, you know, I, I would say that that happened concurrently. And even, you know, the, the, the Center for Employee Ownership, you know, the nonprofit center that, that we've been working on. Uh, private sector nonprofit center that we've been working on has gone back years. I mean, this is pre-COVID when the Community Foundation first started engaging in the conversation and thinking about how can we bring this to life, you know, in Whatcom County 4 to serve our state. Um, so, you know, and, and I think concurrently, you know, that, that there's just been some efforts over time and throughout the state nationally, really, where employee ownership has started to gain traction. And so, you know, I think the the thing that is most notable about that bill is that it happened in complete bipartisan fashion. That's you know, crazy. it was both sides of the aisle that came together and voted unanimously to pass that because they see the benefit so broadly. And so I think that speaks to just how powerful and how unifying something like this can be. That it, uh, you know, the way it serves business, industry, economic development, families, individuals, communities. I mean, it is like, it is the whole raft of like benefits um, that it spans the whole spectrum. And so, you know, um, When Senate bill came through, I mean, what that establishes is it establishes a a state office that will live in the Department of Commerce. And so the state office will, you know, guide tax credits to help employee ownership and conversions for businesses. You know, a lot of the things that the center is going to focus on is also included in the bill. So there's, you know, but our goal is that we don't want to duplicate efforts. And so we're, we're working with Department of Commerce and having conversations with them to say, hey, this is this is what we feel the private sector can do really well uh, because we can be nimble, we can be 
you know, more responsive. We can leverage, you know, relationships and resources in a different way that the that the state government can, and you know, and vice versa, right? State yeah. agencies and government can bring different, you know, uh, skill sets and and you know, weight to bear in that effort. And so, um, you know, so that's the idea is that those two, the center and the office, will work collaboratively and and you know, really advance the effort in terms of education. You know, advice, resources, outreach, you know, just trying to trying to get some more more excitement around that. Great. And and so um, so the center, is it currently up and running? What where's what's That's the state a great of question. No, it's not currently <laughs> up and running, no, but our goal is that we want to have a center open and operational by um, the end of June twenty twenty four. All right. Um you know, uh, we want to have uh, staff hired. We're we're in the process right now. We're working with Project Equity, and they um, they are supporting our efforts, advising our efforts around us, uh, forming a steering committee. Okay. Um, and that steering committee then will help shape the the work of that center. And you know, um, and the community foundation will be a fiscal sponsor to to the center okay. while they get you know established the goal is that we want them to be a standalone nonprofit 501c3 within you know 3 to 5 years if not sooner um, but <clears throat> we're so invested in it that we want to see it happen and so the center will be open we'll have staff and we'll get the work going the steering committee will help shape that kind of like yeah. a board of directors would and our okay. our hope is that the steering committee would then evolve into becoming the board of that organization yeah um and yeah i mean yeah. we're 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 moving and and also the community foundation is is making a financial commitment to make sure that that happens. And so we're in the process of fundraising right now. So we're, we have a goal of $400,000 to make sure that we get it well-staffed and resourced to be able to do the work in the first year. So Duly hey. noted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Putting our stake in I, I think it's you happening. have a little help over there. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and how can we how can we track this? Let's say we want to support it. You know, um, how is there a way to to track this? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, um, you know, visit our website, um, wacomcf.org. Um, okay. Sign up for our newsletter. Um, you know, we're going to be sending out more information. Um, you know, we're working on a website right now for the Center for Employee Ownership that will go public, uh, you know, by the time it opens, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just I would say track track the Community Foundation communications and our website and things like that. And, you know, give us a call and ask questions and see how you can get engaged because it's going to take, you know, a lot of people to get that thing off the ground. And so we're... We're ready for it, though. It takes a community. It sure does. It sure does. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, we are going to take another break, so we will be right back. If you're hearing this message today and you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's probably not because someone jammed a Bible down your throat. For those of you who have not received this free gift, make this the year that you ask for God's grace. Make this the year that you ask for his endurance and perseverance. If you still have doubts that God came down, born of a virgin, and you're still not convinced he lived a perfect life or that he healed the sick, that he walked on water or even turned water into wine, or maybe you're having a tough time believing a person who's fully human could be crucified, dead, and three days later be alive. If you have doubts about all this, you're not alone. Every Christian I know had some kind of doubt. Make this the year you believe. Believe that he died on the cross for you, that he wants to have a relationship with you, but he'll never force you to love him. But once you fully know all he's done for you, how could you not love him back? 
Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in Jesus' name. Amen. From our family to yours here at D&D Insurance. In the shop. And I saw a little headline that says, uh, how much does it cost to replace the Ford F-150 Lightning's battery? I thought, that ought to be interesting. Kirk from Angler, Brian from Dr. John's, and Dan from Bellingham and Burlington Automotive. The cost around. Are you ready for this? 30000 bucks. Join them on In the Shop, 9 to 10 a.m. every Saturday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The mysterious, the obscure, the strange. In some cases, it is the animal reactions that led to the sighting. Coast to coast. In France, Marius DeWild said that his barking dog caused him to go outside to see what had startled it. He saw something on the nearby railroad tracks and then two small creatures. A beam of light shot out from that object momentarily paralyzing him. Every night at 10 p.m. and beyond on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city. But sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Mornings are busy. That's why the KGMI Morning News is your perfect ticket to the world. While you rush to get ready, hear the very latest local, state, and national news, your KGMI AccuWeather forecast, sports with Mark Skolton, the latest money news, and all the information you need for a great start to your day. The KGMI Morning News, 6 to 9 a.m. each weekday on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. Honey, look what I brought home. Not a cat. You know I'm allergic. Well, you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mice will play. <laughs> Why didn't you just call BioBug? Have you had enough of playing cat and mouse? BioBug Pest Management is here to help. Whether you have rats or mice in your business, residence, or commercial building, BioBug is committed to providing a solution that's right for you. To learn more and get your free quote, visit BioBug.com. BioBug Pest Management. Service you trust, experience you expect. Now hiring service tech. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Welcome Report, the Bellingham Regional Chamber Pro in partnership with KGMI. And I'm your host, Gina Stark. And I'm joined with Brad from the Welcome Community Foundation and Sean with A1 Design Build. And we've been talking about employee ownership um, and just the value of it to um, keep important businesses in our community. And we know what happens when you don't. And we've called it the silver tsunami, which I think is one of the most catchiest phrases <laughs> I've ever yeah. ever heard yeah. of, you know. Um, but, I mean, it's it's true. If, if we don't, then they will just leave our community, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so 
We're now going to talk to actually Sean, which is an amazing story because the owners chose not to close their doors. That's uh, right. So can you tell us um, first a little bit, Sean, um, about A1 Design? Like what do you guys do and yeah, who you are? So A1 Design Build, we are a, first of all, a worker-owned co-op. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are a residential construction company focusing on remodels, additions, and new construction. Uh, we've been formerly A1 Builders. We've been in the community for about 65 years. Um, oh, so just a little bit of time. Just you, a, I mean, just you just did this yeah. quick little just, startup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, blip, okay. Okay, got blip. it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we work all around in Whatcom County. Uh, most of our work comes word of mouth from past clients. We have a lot of our work regenerate from of our, all of our old clients. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. So, um, yeah, so your employee owns. So I, I'm just, you know, really, really curious um, if you could just take, talk us and take our listeners through the process um, that right. you went through because you were an integral part of this process, you and the, and the two owners. So can you kind of take us through the process? And, you know, and, of course, I'm just, you know, fascinated with how did you guys come up with, the uh, structure that you chose? Because I know Brad was ta talking through the various structures. Yeah, right. So how did you choose? So back in 2010 or 2011, Rick Dubrow, Cindy Landreth, the former owners of A1 Builders, were looking at succession planning. Um, they had read a book by a gentleman by the name of John Abrams. He's the owner of a company in Martha's Vineyard called South Mountain Company. Mm. In the mid-'80s, he chose to convert his construction company to a worker-owned co-op and wrote a book about it called Companies We Keep. That's what kind of started the ball rolling for Rick. We formed a steering committee in 2011. He offered a position on that committee to all the employees. I elected to join. I was very interested in becoming an owner of A1 Builders. Um, so for the next two or three years, we really started doing research. We went to conferences to learn more about co-ops. We read Companies We Keep. We had lots of meetings with the Small Business Development Center to look at valuation and how to price the company and what that purchase and sale agreement might look like and how to structure that because essentially Rick and Cindy wanted to be part of the co-op originally, but they also just wanted to sell the company. Mm. So how was that going to work out? So lots of conversations about how to form a co-op, borrow money. Now we have mm. to find the money to buy the company. That mm -hmm. was a big hurdle to get through so by around 2014 it kind of paused some other things kind of became a little bit more important for Rick from a community activism point of view mm. and he wasn't quite ready to retire but the, the conversation never stopped and in about 2015 we carried the conversation again steering, steering committee started meeting more regularly we started doing more evaluations of how to convert how to form that co-op, talking to banks, trying to find that funding. Um, it all fell into position. We worked with another local worker-owned co-op that's a construction company, Bellingham Bay Builders. Another great company, another for sure. Yes, love them. Group of love them. They're gems of yes. our community. Um, they shared their bylaws. Mm -hmm. So we oh. had, that's really, I would say, what helped us decide on a worker-owned co-op. We had South oh. Mountain Company, as a really good model as a construction company to kind of look at, model ourselves after. And then we had this, our friends in our local community that were doing the same thing that we could tap into and have those conversations about 
how to do that and what kind of struggles they were having. So that's where that co-op, that's how we landed on that. It made a lot more sense. The ESOP seemed like bigger, like more like a larger corporation mm-hmm. thing with multiple, like thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. The worker-owned co-op seemed more suitable for our smaller company. Mm. 21 employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that's how we that's how we started. Wow, that's that's great. And the, that steering committee was formed with five employees in the end, and those five employees are the ones that ended up being the founding members of the co-op. We're the ones that signed on the line to borrow the money mm-hmm. and became the, the the founding board members of the co-op. That's great. So, and so that's back to, I think the next thing you were talking about is, so, you know, you have a governing board as as well. So I think that's also interesting to to know, you know, because I'm like thinking co-op. I was like, so everybody just still just running around, hey, we're owners, hey, we're owners. (laughs) But can you talk a little bit about that really quickly? Yeah, I think the board of directors is probably the most fundamental part of our structure. Um, We really need to have, like, you have this hierarchical system in management, right, where there's people that are you know, on a hierarchical system in mm-hmm. a construction company. But now you have these people that might be like a support carpenter or a lead carpenter in the field. They're now members of the co-op. So without that board and that governing body as the co-op helping make decisions on policy, there wasn't really any way to transition between the hierarchy and that board structure. So about a year and a half ago, we started to look at our board of directors, job descriptions. It wasn't really well defined. And we ended up kind of teasing that out, defining those better, and then forming a committee structure. And I I guess I'm going into this because policy becomes a really important decision making is really important. How that happens in a co-op amongst members when everybody has a vote. Yeah. And we all have to come to agreement. We're a 100% consensus. Everybody oh. has to agree when we make a decision on policy. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty interesting dynamic amongst a team of people, different types of people making those decisions. But the committee structure is really well where the meat of our policy stuff happens. We have five standing committees that meet once a month. Those committees work on the decision-making for policies. Instead of having all now 12 members of our co-op, working on decision-making, that can muddy the waters a little bit. So we have committees that are like four or five that are really working on developing policy proposals to bring to the board for decision. Wow. Which makes it just so much fun when you think about groups of people talking about benefits packages and what we're going to do for helping people in the construction field with their vehicles or any type of decision when it comes to policies. It's fun. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right, listeners, well, with that, we'll have to take a quick break. So fill that coffee or that tea, and we will be right back. Hi, it's Scott from Northwest Sleep Solution in Fairhaven. You know, I've sold mattresses in Bellingham and Whatcom County for a lot of years now. And I got a call from a lady the other day that was asking about our selection. She wanted one of these memory foam beds in a box you can get online, and we don't carry that. And she says, well, how do you have the best selection? So I explained to her the best selection often means not only what you do carry, but what you don't carry as well. And so at Northwest Sleep, rather than memory foam, we carry Tempur-Pedic as the highest rated mattress on the planet. Rather than some of the generic coil beds out on the market, we carry Beautyrest, the invented of the pocket of coil. We carry things that we believe in and we don't carry things we don't. 
So come see us at Northwest Sleep Solutions on the corner of 10th and McKenzie in Fairhaven. Get informed and inspired with Saturday Morning Live on KGMI. Join a group of knowledgeable hosts as they present a variety of guests and viewpoints on issues important to our area and to you and your family. Sponsored by Asset Advisors, LLC, at Linden Sheet Metal, each Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Staying connected with your community each Saturday at noon with KGMI's Community Connection as local business leaders share their expert advice. Sponsored by Dewey Griffin Subaru, Ferndale Downtown Association, Lydia Place, UA Local 26, and Lorraine's Window Coverings. Community Connection, Saturdays at noon on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Walk-In Report of Bellingham Regional Chamber Program in partnership with KGMI. I'm your host, Gina Stark, and I've been talking with Brad from the Walk-In Community Foundation and Sean with A1 Design Build. And um, Sean's been telling us this amazing story about how A1 Build has um, their transition to a co-op, and um, it's just been fascinating um, can you just recap for our listeners that are just um, tuning in um, a little bit how that governance structure um, was developed? Because, again, you know, we think about a co-op, you know, everybody's all equal, but, I mean, there has to be some type of structure, right? right so can right. you just recap that for our, our listeners, how you developed that? Right. So per our bylaws, we have, you know, our president, vice president, treasurer, Right, secretary. Yeah. So that's that's essentially our board officers. Um, and then every member of our co-op is essentially a board member. So you have to be a board member to participate in committee work. That's how the government's really governance really got structured. We started out with helping define our board officers' responsibilities, which was not clearly defined in our bylaws at all. It's like a one-sentence statement. And then beyond that, who is responsible for making all of these non-management policy decisions. Rick and Cindy did a really good job helping formulate like a structure for management decisions and owner decisions. And we took that list and then kind of parsed that out to all the committees. So mm -hmm. now each committee is really ultimately responsible for helping make the decisions about company policy yeah. and future planning and stuff. Yeah, and Rick and Cindy were the former owners. Rick and Cindy, yeah, they were the A one builders. Owners, yeah, correct. Yeah. Yes. So, um, what what was the biggest challenge in this whole process? Uh, you know, I feel like the biggest challenge was probably some of the financial stuff. Trying mm -hmm. to find a bank that would loan uh, some people some money to buy a business. I was know? really curious about yeah. that. You and know. We, the SBDC crushed it for us. They found a couple of people, but we we found a company in Minnesota that was also a co-op. Oh, who ended up loaning us money? We're a member of that co-op. Nice, um, nice. So it was that, a financial co-op. Correct. Yeah, 
Yeah. Whoa. I know, so, and I, who connected us with those folks? I can't remember. I think it was Tom Dore at the SBDC. Mm. But, um, Tom's great. Tom is yeah. excellent. Yeah. yeah. We really liked working with Tom. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. The SBDC is great. I work with, with them, CJ Sykes, and yeah. that whole, yeah. that whole yep. team. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Client, They're fantastic. Former client of ours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and that, the governance thing really ended up being, we feel like that the development of our governance documents has been one of the most current revelations in our co-op. We, it really helps us have a better structure. At one point, our president was pretty much doing the work of all of the committees. He was doing marketing, community outreach. He was pretty much doing everything. So in order for him to kind of not work as much, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we we had to make a change there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sounds like for the better. Oh yeah, big time. So, um, what has been the biggest benefit to being an employee-owned business? I mean, Ooh, the biggest one. You know, I feel like the engagement with the employees, the longevity. I think Brad spoke yeah. to yeah. all the things. Everything that Brad said that is a benefit of being a part of a co-op is one hundred percent true. That longevity, people stick around, um, they buy in. Our project managers, the people that are out performing the work on our job sites, all three of them are members of our co-op. So they're out there taking much better care of the process of that project and how they're spending money, Mm -hmm. how they're treating the employees. That's another big part of it. We want longevity. We want people to stick around. In construction, you know, there's people that don't treat each other very nicely. So we kind of have to change that paradigm a little bit and... It's working out really well. Yeah. yeah. I think the I think the primary benefit is the engagement of the employees. Yeah. 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 Well and and Brad, you were talking about I think um, the how they also kind of well, they stay, right? Yeah. They stay longer. Right. And then they they also kind of give back to the economy, right? As you were talking about that as yeah. as well. Instead of a sole proprietor taking home all of the net income at the end of the year, we share it with all of the members. So yeah, everything stays local and now it's dispersed yeah. maybe a little bit more yeah. evenly. Yeah. Yeah. And and definitely as we talked about, you, you've seen the change in, in your in your in your workforce. And um, so I don't know, so forgive me in my ignorance, but like does every new employee get this this option? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, our, currently, you have to be an employee for two years. Okay. And you can start member training. Okay. It's a one-year process of member training. Um, very, very intimate, very detailed process to get people to understand all aspects of the co-op of our organization. And then at three years, you can buy in to become a member. There's a membership fee and then the privileges are, or the benefits are, a vote for policy, a share in net income, a much better understanding of what it takes to run a multi-million dollar organization. Mm-hmm. That's valuable yeah. benefit to being an employee. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just better engagement with your staff. I mean, that those relationships that we have amongst our team and co-op members are some of the best relationships we'll have in our lives. Yeah. That's great, and and I was when I was thinking about this question too, as as you're you know hiring somebody or even interviewing them, yeah. and when you bring that up, like yeah. what are some of the reactions that you've gotten from folks when you tell them that this is your your structure? Yeah, I think a lot of people come to us knowing. A lot, uh, I think a lot of our people that we hire have vetted us a little bit. They've researched us a tiny bit, 
But we do have a third interview that is with other co-op members. We huh. are trying to hire future members when we hire everybody. We're looking right. for long-term employees. So my third interview process is with other members, and we ask more big-picture questions. I think the best question we ask is, if you could do a TED Talk, what would the topic be? <laughs> <laughs> you can really get to know somebody and understand them in a different way when you ask that question. What was the way I want to know? What was the best? What was the best answer Somebody for that mindfulness. one? Mindfulness. There was a mindfulness mm. one. I thought that was pretty fun. God, I can't remember them all, but we've gotten some really, really wonderful answers. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Brad. I, you know, I'll just say, um, you know, Gina, that you know what Sean's describing is that that's a success story, right? And what we want to yeah, see yeah. with you know the formation of the state office and Department of Commerce and the state center that we're setting up, you know, the nonprofit center. So we want to enable more of those stories to unfold. I mean, we see that there's lots of barriers to employee ownership. Yeah. And, you know, Sean touched on one, financing is certainly one. I mean, we've been out there talking to people about yeah. how do they structure this thing? And financing has been hard, but that's that's changing. It is. You know? The um, SBA, I think, is stepping up. They, think, were, they were supposed to step up years ago and yeah. start offering funds for worker co-ops. The SBA stepping up, you know, the state office, they're actually charged with setting up a revolving loan program to support these things. You know, the awareness is big, so that more traditional banks are actually getting behind this. I was talking to one business owner who sold his company back in 2005, and he said, you know, I was looking at the ESOP, Employee Stock Ownership Plan, mm -hmm. but he said, I decided not to do it because I just wanted to, like, be done. I wanted to sell mm. my business and move on. And, you know, while, you know, some ESOP structures, like the owner carries the note, and so they're basically the lender. Oh. And so that's, you know, some people choose to do that, and other people don't want to do that, and that's where you need to find the financing. And I think that, you know, more banks are becoming more accustomed to that. That's funny and, you know, We had to get yeah. creative. Yeah, you got to get creative. Rick and Cindy had to carry part of it. Yeah. And we had to borrow. Yeah. And that's those are the stories we're hearing around employee ownership is that you had to be perseverant, you had to be yes. creative, you had to push through. And, you know, this, the Center for Employee Ownership is really designed to help alleviate those things, reduce those barriers, increase the awareness, increase access to capital and to, you know, support and advice and guidance to be able to do more of this. We want it to be easier. So yeah. yeah, we can have more A ones out there. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. That. No, I'm yeah. I'm so 110 percent behind this because some of these great businesses that we've even mentioned today are amazing. And then I I think of two of my other um, wonderful businesses, um, Village Books um, is is another one. I can't imagine what our community would be like if Check and D had not done done that. I mean, yeah. th another ripple effect through our yes. communities. Woodstone yes. Pizza is yes. another is another one. Um, that is um, employee-owned as as well, and so yeah, you know, Express Electric, North, Excel North Pacific, right? Yeah. I mean, the yeah. list goes on and on. So I just I just feel that that's just you know amazing it that is. we have that. So. Yeah. Um, well, guys, I can't believe we just breezed by this, but our, our time is up. So I want to thank you both um, for spending the morning with me. So, um, Thanks, so yeah, Thanks Brad so much, with Wacom Community Foundation and Sean with A1 Design. Thank you so much. Um, so with that, we'll take our very last break.
Solar isn't free, but the energy it captures can be. Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO at Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. As a trusted, local, five-time award-winning clean energy company with decades of combined solar experience, Barron will support you beyond the panels to provide whole home energy solutions powered by the sun. Despite what those national campaigns may claim, solar is not free. But our sales team and project engineers at Solar by Barron are committed to helping you leverage discounts and rebates turning your sustainable dream into a reality. And here's a brilliant offer. Get an energy-efficient heat pump at half price with your solar installation. That's a value of over $5,000. This offer won't last long, so give Barron a call today. Go solar and upgrade your HVAC system to a heat pump for half price. With Barron, you'll save money on sustainable solutions that go beyond the panels, keeping you comfortable year-round. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Dedicated to service, shining a light on local individuals, law enforcement, and groups giving back to our community. Brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury in Bellingham. Dedicated to service acknowledges the Whatcom Literacy Council staff, volunteers, and the many community contributors who helped make this year's literacy breakfast a huge success. More than $30,000 was raised to help fund free adult literacy programs in Whatcom County. Improved literacy is a key component to help people become more empowered, employable, and better able to care for themselves and their families. And this money will help provide free tutoring and small group classes for hundreds of local adults motivated to learn. Dedicated to service. Brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury. Voted best jewelry store in the Northwest. This holiday, start with Nieder House of Luxury for their beautiful selection of jewelry with unique and custom designs perfect for the one you love for Christmas and the new year. Find them at 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's back patio. Nieder House of Luxury. Welcome back. You're listening to the Walk and Report, a Bellingham Regional Chamber program in partnership with KGMI. It's been the pleasure to be your host, Gina Stark, with the Port of Bellingham, your economic partner. And um, this morning I've been joined with Brad from the Walkham Community Foundation and Sean with A1 Design. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with me this morning. I so appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it's a lot of fun, Gina. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for carrying the conversation of employee ownership. Yeah, it's been great. That. It's been great. So, um, Brad, can you give uh, us the Walkham Community Foundation's uh, website? Because we want to track the, the formation of the... Uh, Employee Ownership <laughs> Center. Yes, yes Employee Ownership Center. Washington State. Yes, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, wacomcf.org. You can find us online. Yeah, great. And Sean, people where they can find your amazing business? Yeah, a1designbuild.com. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. So, folks, you know, um, as I said before, it, it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to build a business. I know. I did it. And when the time comes, whether you want to do something else or you want to retire, just shutting the doors is such a detriment to our community, to our economy, to the employees who've come to rely on um, that business, on your business. You know, but listening to Sean, there's an alternative, and it's an amazing one, one where your employees can become their own boss, where they can have that pride of ownership where they then become that longevity, where they can see their future within the business. When they open that door, they're opening the door to their own business. When they look at their coworkers, they're also their co-owners. 
And that's an amazing, amazing thing. And so it's, it's just great when we, we hear about these businesses that we love and that we visit, that they were able to stay in our communities because of the decision of the prior owners to make them an employee ownership. And that's been a great thing. And it makes me proud, once again, to live in Whatcom County. And they were able to do it because what? Once again, it took a community. So until next time, stay healthy and stay happy.